Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 In report in the Times of Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu ordered his members of, co- of his cabinet to refrain from responding to the International Court of Justice's provisional ruling in South Africa's genocide case against Israel. According to national broadcaster Khan, Netanyahu, via the National Security Advisor Tzachia Negbi, instructed government ministers to hold off on any public statements before the release of an official government position on the matter. While the court declined to order Israel to halt its military operation in the Gaza Strip, its ruling does, does call on Jerusalem to take measures to prevent the commission of genocidal acts against Palestinians. Despite Netanyahu's order, Negev, the Galilee, and National Resilience Minister Yitzhak Wasserloff and National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir, both members of the far-right Otsma Yehudit Party, condemned the court on Friday, January 26th. Ben-Gavir, whose rhetoric regarding the Palestinians was raised by South Africa to bolster its genocide claims against Israel, dismissed the court as, quote, anti-Semitic, declaring that its decision proves that the court does not seek justice, but rather the persecution of Jewish people. Never again, Wasserloff tweeted in English alongside an Israeli flag emoji. The UNRWA, the UN Organization for Palestinian Refugee and their descendants, says it has opened a probe into the alleged involvement of several of its employees in the October 7th terror onslaught in southern Israel by Hamas and that it had several ties with these staff members. Quote, the Israeli authorities have provided UNRWA with information about the alleged involvement of several UNRWA employees in the horrific attacks on Israel on October 7th. This is coming from Philippe Lazzarini, the UNRWA Commissioner General. To protect the agency's ability to deliver humanitarian assistance, he claimed to have taken the decision to immediately terminate the contracts of these staff members and launch an investigation in order to establish the truth without delay. In Gaza, troops continue to battle Hamas operatives in Khan Yunus as the Israeli Air Force strikes RPG-wielding cells and numerous terrorists. The IDF announces the death of a reservist, bringing the Gaza operational toll death toll to 222. Fighting between Israeli Defense Forces and the Hamas terror group continued deep within Khan Yunus on Friday, January 26th, as families of hostages held by terror groups in the Gaza Strip blocked trucks from aid of aid from entering the enclave via the Kerem Shalom crossing for a third consecutive day. In the Khan Yunus area, the IDF said Friday that ground forces of the 98th Division killed dozens of Hamas gunmen and the Air Force carried out a wave of strikes overnight Thursday, January 25th including apartments used by operatives, weapons depots, observation posts, and staging ground. In one incident, the the division's paratroopers brigade spotted five Hamas gunmen entering a building and directed an airstrike on them, the IDF said. On Friday morning, the IDF released drone footage showing a group of RPG-wielding Hamas operatives being spotted in southern Gaza's Khan Yunus before being struck by an aircraft. The three-man Hamas cell was identified by soldiers of the Border Defense Corps the 636th Combat Intelligence Collection Unit, which also called on the strike. The unit, has, the unit has been operating alongside troops in Khan Yunus in recent weeks, locating some 200 tunnel entrances, aiding in destroying more than 130 Hamas sites 
and nearly a dozen rocket launchers. Number 2 Governors from 25 GOP-led states endorsed a joint statement expressing support for Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas and Texas's constitutional right to self-defense. This comes in the aftermath of a U.S. Supreme Court ruling permitting the Biden administration to remove razor wire installed by Texas along a 30-mile stretch of land near the U.S.-Mexico border in Eagle Pass. The sole Republican governor not signing the statement was Vermont Governor Phil Scott, who acknowledged voting for President Biden in 2020. The statement released by the Republican Governors Association emphasizes solidarity with Governor Abbott and Texas, endorsing the reuse of various tools, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. It cites the Biden administration's failure to enforce existing immigration laws and its alleged legal allowance of mass parole for migrants who entered the country unlawfully. In response to what they view as the Biden administration's neglect of constitutional duties, the governors argue that Texas is legally justified in protecting the sovereignty of the states and the union. Governor Abbott asserting Texas's right to self-defense is superior to federal statutes to the contrary, pledged to persist in deploying razor wire as a deterrent against illegal border crossings, influenced by what he perceives as the open border policies of President Joe Biden. Number three. Former President Donald Trump voiced his opposition to a resolution being proposed to the Republican National Committee, the RNC, that would name him the presumptive GOP presidential nominee, even though rival Nikki Haley remains in the race. The effort by national party officials was seen as a symbolic show of support for the former president and would allow more party resources to be devoted to Trump's campaign. The RNC confirmed earlier Thursday, January 25th, that it planned to consider a resolution declaring Trump the party's presumptive nominee, even though 48 states have yet to cast their ballots in the primary race. The proposed resolution, which was first reported by the dispatch, garnered swift criticism from RNC members and states across the country. But on Thursday night, Trump wrote on Truth Social that the RNC shouldn't move forward with its consideration of the proposal. Of the proposal. Quote, I feel for the sake of party unity that they should not go forward with this plan but that I should do it the old-fashioned way and finish the process at the ballot box, he wrote. Before Trump had weighed in, RNC spokesperson Keith Shipper said in a statement that the resolution would be taken up by the RNC's Resolutions Committee, which would decide whether to send this resolution to be voted on by the 168 RNC members at our annual meeting next week. Shipper emphasized that RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel does not offer resolutions but that they are brought forward by RNC members. The resolution has now been withdrawn according to a person familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe to describe private discussions. Haley's campaign in an email on Thursday evening, January 25th, blasted the proposed RNC resolution, stating, quote, Trump's establishment lackeys are pushing for a toothless resolution to deny millions of Republican voters from having a say in the presidential contest. If the resolution had been adopted by the broader pool of RNC members at its winning meeting in Las Vegas next week, it would have started the process of having the National Party integrate with Trump's campaign as though Trump is already the elected nominee. Trump's current campaign operation has not yet integrated itself with the RNC, and Democrats have had a significant head start in fundraising and organizing because they, would, they have operated internally 
as if President Biden would be the nominee since he took office in 2021. This action typically does not happen until a candidate has garnered at least 1,215 delegates in nominating contests. Haley is the only major challenger to Trump remaining in the Republican primary. And although she came closer to beating him in New Hampshire than some pre-primary polling indicated, she still faces a huge hurdle and an uphill battle in the remaining nominating contests. New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who endorsed Haley and campaigned alongside her in the Granite State, called the resolution, quote, absolutely awful, stating, quote, Haley's not going anywhere because Ronald McDaniel says so, or Trump tries to keep manipulating things, he told CNN. The party, Sununu argued, was moving the goalposts. They're changing the rules, but when you do that, that's usually done because they're afraid. Ronald McDaniel recently signaled her support for getting the party to coalesce behind the former president, telling Fox News on on Tuesday night, January 23rd, after Trump was declared the winner of the GOP primary in New Hampshire, saying, quote, I'm looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. Her comments came, as the RNC is putting the finishing touches on a joint fundraising agreement with state parties that will allow the nominee to accept checks up to $836,300 from wealthy donors, according to a person familiar with the plans. While she's facing increasing pressure from Republicans to drop out, Haley has repeatedly vowed to stay in the race for the long haul, saying that voters do not want to see a Trump coronation. After initial news about the resolution broke, RNC members from Mississippi, Tennessee, and New Jersey publicly criticized the proposal. Haley's campaign appears to be leaning into the potential to scoop up votes in in open or semi-open primaries, given that she has fared better with independents and unaffiliated voters than Trump. Haley's campaign manager Betsy Ankeny noted in a memo earlier this week that South Carolina and Michigan each have open primaries, a more welcoming political landscape for Haley. And on March 5th, or Super Tuesday, the 11th, of the 11 of the 16 states and territories will host open or semi-open primaries representing a significant fertile ground for Nikki Haley. Thanks for tuning in to the top three segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.